It's always such a Hi, Catherine. joy to have you on. I was so happy when you said yes, because <laughs> I know you Yeah, have... that's, that's my default. Yeah, well, that's you know? so great. I, you know, and, and that's one of the beautiful things about you. You're, you're such an accessible person, uh, such a, just there. Um, and it's, it's a, it, you're a beautiful, you're a beautiful human being, Paul. And it's always well, a joy to have you. thank you. Well, <laughs> takes one to know one, you well, know. Thank so. you. So you had uh, recently um, texted me that you were being buried by wonderful things. I was like, <laughs> I voted for that. I was like, oh, yes, I can get behind that. So, wow, I'd love to hear what's kind of the latest and greatest in Paul's world. I know you've got things going on that are maybe not so fabulous uh, like every other human being on the planet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what is new with Paul? You know, even in the not fabulous stuff, which I'll talk about in a minute, but even in that, you're not alone. If you consider yourself alone, then that becomes an invitation to fear. Right. And it's, it's not, it's not the challenge of life. It's the company you keep. Mm. Yes. Right. Yes. So, so I mean, some of the most beautiful things is we had a we had our a, another grandbaby born on mother's day and then we've got one like probably this week wow and and then we've got one coming in january so with the january baby that'll make 15 grandchildren wow and we're wow. not done your <laughs> we cup still have runs a, over that's uh, amazing yeah, exactly um if i remember right when it talked about um the arrows, what is that verse? The quiver, that, the quiver, yeah, the right, quiver, right? The quiver, the quiver held five. So I've got like three quivers so far. Three with, quivers with and growing. That's amazing. Oh my goodness. That is so So beautiful. that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, one of the challenges that I, I was diagnosed with epilepsy and, uh, a few months ago, just a, two or three months ago. And, uh, and that, that is a weird thing because I've never really had anything, you know, I've had accidents and, you know, got hurt in sports you and things like that. serious accidents, right? I mean. Yeah, yeah but I've never had something. And, have something. and it was such a surprise. Um, started with these episodes that now turn out to be seizures, but I didn't know it. And um, seizures can no be very sneaky. They can be very, not all what everybody thinks they are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it took me, I don't know three sets of those things to get serious about them over the course of like six, seven months. But they are starting to come more frequently, these sets. Uh, I call them episodes. I'm having these episodes, you know. And uh, I don't have any family history of epilepsy. But uh, the neuro, neuro guy, the neurologist, believes that it was from a major accident that I had in my early 20s. Which is kind of a wild story. I was a pedestrian, and um, the last memory about it I have is I was going down a street to a four-way major street called uh, Division Street in Gresham, Oregon. And uh, I was actually going to pick up a car that a friend of mine had used, uh, Kim Warren. She'd, she'd lent me her car, and it was over in the church parking lot across the street. And so I was, you know, 
I had a soccer ball with me and was going down the hill. It, it appears that uh, a young 17-year-old high-risk driver knocked me two houses down the street and almost wow. killed me. Yeah. That is and, the grace um, of God that you survived that two houses down. Yeah. Oh. And and at the same time as I landed in the street, the the senior pastor of the church I, that I was working for, which I only did for a, an organized church about two years, two and a half years of my life, but but uh, he was walking out the door to get in his car to go to the airport because he was going to go speak somewhere, and I land in front of his house, and he's an ex EMT. <laughs> go so figure. He, Wow. Uh, go figure. So he was on me instantly, and a ah. and an off-duty ambulance happened to be coming up division, mm. and two cops just going off-duty were coming the other way. So they all converge, wow. and they said I never lost um, consciousness, but they said that I was caught in a cerebral loop. I would I would ask, so what happened, you know? And they'd say, well, you were you were hit and almost killed by a car. It's a really major accident. I go, oh. So what happened, you know, and over and over and over again. Well, they got me to the hospital. They had to do surgery without anesthetics because of the head injury. They were afraid that knocked me into a coma that I couldn't come out of. Sure. And uh, a couple days later, they said I screamed a lot during the operations. Well, <laughs> thankfully, I don't remember any of that. They might and, remember, uh, but. <laughs> yeah, really. Okay. And a couple days later, I come to conscious awareness in the hospital. And I know. I'm in, an I'm in a hospital, that's obvious, but I don't know what year it is. I don't know, I, I don't know anything. I don't know any relationship. I don't know um, anybody who walks in the door. I don't know what country I'm in because wow. I'm a missionary kid, so I've got this m multicultural background. Right. And, and I'm like, huh. And Kim comes to visit me, who was a friend at the time, and... Um, she walks in the door, bursts into tears, Aww. and leaves. Aww. And I'm thinking, I'm like, huh. Wow. I wonder who that was. She's <laughs> cute. <laughs> that's, a, that's my thought, you know. And here I am with this major head injury. And, but I have total amnesia, except for one relationship, Jesus. Wow. The only wow. relationship that made it through. And, uh, and mm -hmm. I knew that I was in the arms of someone who loved me. Oh, which was which was a major thing at that time because I didn't actually trust God. Wow. If you so were to you forgot if you were to, to ask me God. two weeks before this, mm. I'd have said, "Yeah, I I believe in God." You know, wow. There's a big difference between believing in God and actually trusting God. You know, those who believe in God get involved in religion, right? Because in religion, you just have to know what you're supposed to do. You don't actually have to trust God, right. and um, and you know, God's an idea and. So you give yourself to that idea and, and because that idea comes along with a lot of other baggage. Like if you don't, <laughs> yes. you're going to go to hell, you know? That's right. So, um, your baggage. Yeah. And, and if I look back at that period of time where I didn't have any, I didn't know who I was or mm -hmm. no history, it was one of the most peaceful times in my life because wow. I had no baggage. Yeah. I mean, I had no addictions. I had no baggage and, uh, I didn't have any relationships that were, difficult. I didn't know anything. Wow. And uh, over the next days, months, weeks, months, I started getting chunks of my history and memories back. And mm -hmm. so did all my baggage come back, which was not good. Bummer. And um, um, some things never came back. 
him, in, including a relationship with this gal that I've been told that I was serious about, but I have no memories of, <laughs> except a one little sliver, and I can remember that sliver today, sitting in a car talking to her. That's it. Wow. That's all I got. Well, she wasn't Which, the one, so she wasn't supposed uh, to come back. She got pissed off and went and married this <laughs> other guy. <laughs> and uh, me, I'm like, sorry. I mean, what? Right. What, what do, do I do? do? Right. So, exactly. Yeah. So it's because of that accident that I ended up marrying Kim. Wow. Who saved Who saved my life? And um, and so I mean, you look at life and you go like. Well, God obviously doesn't send accidents into our life to right. prove a point or something. There's, mm-hmm. If God had a perfect plan, mm-hmm. God would not use evil to accomplish of good. Of course. Right. But we think that God kind of does that. Right? We have some and, sneaky suspicions. Yeah. Uh, that awful ideas. Getting healed um, of. Yes. George MacDonald says that good souls, many, will one day be horrified at what they now believe of God. So and, we're uh, working really hard because we want less horror. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it's a big question. Yeah. You know, why did God allow this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was in a conversation day before yesterday, or yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, it was a long conversation, and that was, you know, how can I trust a God who only brings me pain? Right? And they're, they're asking all these myriad of questions. Yeah. And... Um, and it's like, is, is that what we think that love is? Right. And love does. Mm-hmm. And it's a great question. I mean, it's a question that kind of dominates, you know, we actually, a lot of us, my people, we think that God sends children and people who've never heard about Jesus and, and those to eternal conscious torment, right. which is kind of a torture chamber. Like forever torture chain. Right. And we actually think that God does that. We, we would never have. do that. So right. our love must be either wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd never do that to our children. But mm-hmm. if God can do it, God's definition of love must be different than ours. Because, right. of course, God is holy and we're not. Right. And so we don't mm-hmm. understand That's really messed what up. a problem that is. And, how, how, can uh, you and trust, how can you trust him? Right. And that's what you're talking about, believing versus trusting. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the word for believe in the Greek that's in the New Testament is actually the word to trust. It's it's not the head-oriented thing where you have believe in a concept or a force. Right. This is actually where you trust a relationship Beautiful. and you trust love and you trust goodness. So, um, and we don't grasp what a problem that is internally. There are people who read the shack and would write me emails and there was a common thread with my people and they, and they would write and say, I'm terrified to take the risk that God is as good as you say and you're wrong. Right? Wow. Because they're looking at what if I actually take the risk that he's that good and you're wrong and I end up in eternal conscious torment, you know, right, because I took would, the risk. Yes. Good souls, many will one day be oh horrified my. at what they now believe of God. Oh so, my. so you know, God doesn't send pandemics. God doesn't cause accidents. And it's like, so what's going on here? And I know Ravi Zacharias has fallen from grace, and mm-hmm. and in a in a really overt and dramatic way. And and, and, and I like Ravi. Ravi, way. he taught me a lot. 
right? Yeah, yeah. I, he wanted to check me out at an airport in Texas one time, so we met and talked for a couple uh-huh. hours. And, um, and the fact that he was, his life was woven with certain addictions that he mm-hmm. hid. Yeah. Doesn't nullify the activity of the Holy Spirit in his Thank life. Thank you. I mean, otherwise all of us would be nullified. Oh, right? come on. You know, <laughs> we're we, when we judge someone, yeah. you know, uh, what is it that Brad Jerzak says? Moral outrage is uh-huh. confession. <laughs> so oh my brilliant. gosh, right? right? So I I am I am really grieved by the stuff that he sure. hid and the damage that he did. Okay. So sad. But I, but I also it. learned a lot of things that maintain truthfulness in my own life. And mm-hmm. and he was a very smart man. No and, kidding. Um and very foolish in certain respects, but sure. you know. Um, and very loving. He loved Jesus. There's no question about it in my mind. And, and like human beings who are put into positions of notoriety and power, the invitation to continue to hide because of the consequences of, of authenticity is so great. Right. You know, and which he experienced, but most of it wasn't when he was alive. And, uh, and so, uh, one of his little things that has been really helpful for me is, is that in a sense, God had four choices when it came to creating the cosmos. Number one, wow. to not create. Because God knows the beginning from the end. Sure. Time is a created thing, right? Right, sure. Um, uh, who's the cosmologist? Steve Hawking. Yes. He, he proved that, that time has a beginning. Right. And, um, he, he kind of withdrew that after he needed to get divorced. So, but, you know, <laughs> okay. um, but he did. Uh, okay. mm-hmm. And, um, so God could have chosen not to create. Mm-hmm. The second choice was that God could have chosen to create only a universe in which everything ran by natural law. Right. And we have natural law in, in this particular cosmos. So, so gravity and electromagnetic and entropy and all that. Mm-hmm. So God could have created a universe in which Everything ran in terms of natural law, like a machine. Right. The third option is to do that. Same thing as option number two, but there is a special element to it, and that is to create human beings who don't know that they're part of the machine. So they think uh, they have an ability to we choose. We got the matrix. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so they are caught, but they don't have an ability for personal agency, right. but they think but they, they think do. They so do. they live, they live in bliss. They never make a mistake. <laughs> uh, what was that movie where everybody, nobody knew that you could say no, right? It was a movie about that. I don't think I knew that one. That's so fascinating. Oh, it's wild. And you and one guy, the main character finds out he can lie. <laughs> You know, everybody tells the truth in very blunt kinds of ways and deals with it, but he can lie. Wow. And everybody believes he's telling the truth and it causes this ripple effect. Somebody out there will know what that is. Oh my goodness. Yes. So in this third creation, you have this highly sophisticated part of the machine, Mm -hmm. but it actually doesn't have an ability to say no to love, right? It can only say yes. And so it lives in this eternal bliss kind of thing. And then, which frankly, a lot of, a lot of my people, Christians believe that's what happens post-mortem. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Everything gets taken away. And now you don't have an ability to say no anymore. And right. so, you know, which makes God, uh, uh, maniacal, maniacal, 
mad scientists. Absolutely. Right? Because if, because if God takes away your ability to choose at any point, mm-hmm. then the period of creation doesn't actually matter. It's eternity in which you don't have an ability to choose that actually matters. Right. Isn't that right? amazing? And you no, can't say wild. yes to love if you can't say no to love. Because right. It's not so the fourth creation, yes. which happens to be the one that we are in, mm-hmm. where natural law does function, right. but this incredibly special creation called a human being mm-hmm. has personal agency. And they have this power to say no to love. Wow. Right? If you're, if you can't say no, then your yes doesn't matter. Exactly. Like in creation number three. Mm-hmm. But if you can say no, then your yes matters. And this is the only one of the four options in which love can actually exist. Truly. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And so how is if God takes away your ability to choose at any point mm-hmm. along that creation's chronos, time, mm-hmm. then all of all of humanity would lose their capacity to say no or yes to love. Yeah. Love would cease to exist as a relational reality. If God says, in this case, I'm taking your choice away from you. Mm-hmm. And not that we don't pray and say, please, God, I'm so bad at this. Right? Would you just please take Do over? Do it for us. You know, that's where our language about use me comes from. Oh, I hate that. And I know, I, and for a good uh, reason, because we'd never say it to our kids or grandkids. Right. You know, can't wait you. for you to grow up so you can be... You know, someone that I can use, right? Because I have a great plan for your life. And uh, you could be a tool that I could use. Oh, my goodness. Wow, that's wow. horrible. That but so we racial. say God relates to us that way. Right? <laughs> that's so crazy. And I want to be used by God. God's like, what? I don't, no, you I don't. don't. Yes. Let's I want talk. a love relationship that's face-to-face. Yeah. Right? This is not about me using you to mm-hmm. accomplish a purpose. I don't Absolutely. need you. Exactly. You understand? I don't need anything that you have. I don't need your worship. I don't need your prayers. I don't need your songs. I don't need your hymns. I don't. This is not. This is quoting Acts 17. This is not a God who can be served by human hands as if this God needed anything. Ding, da, ding, ding. And, and our obedience, right? Is it doesn't some need it. So in right? the obedience. I need your obedience. Yeah. God doesn't need our worship because, you know, mm. he, he feels inadequate or he has yeah, a space in him that needs to be filled up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So here we are in a cosmos in which personal agency is front and center, which means human beings are incredibly powerful mm-hmm. because we can make choices to which God will submit. That's a secure God. Isn't that amazing? Yes, but it also is a God who is love. Love. Yes, exactly. So, you know, two people decide to have a baby in a world in which our genetics have been damaged because we don't know how to love. Our our environment has been damaged because we don't know how to love well. Mm -hmm. Our culture has been damaged because we don't know how to love well. And so two people using personal agency, regardless of intention, could be really bad intention. Right. Could be abusive intention. Exactly. It could be romantic love. I don't know. Right. It could be just in the backseat of a car. But they, they through their choices, create a human being to whom God gives life. Again, Acts 17. And, and that baby may be born into the absolute horrid environment you can imagine. Yeah. Or, 
what we would consider a really good environment. Right. But and God submits to that choice. Isn't that amazing. And and some baby can come to being that is incredibly damaged in genetics and all that. God doesn't damage babies as part of a plan. That's ludicrous and maniacal and horrific. Mm -hmm. But God submits to the creation. You know, and I was talking to somebody, and they were asking the same question. And they were having a problem with their two preschool kids who were fighting all the time. And, And he's like, I am so frustrated by my kids who who just can't love each other. Right. Can't get along. That was also part of a conversation that was bigger about the same question we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I said, so would it be better that they'd never been born? And he's like, what are you talking about? Right. He's like, it doesn't doesn't enter your mind. Okay. Okay. You now know that they're going to fight and have trouble and squabble and, you know, so would it be better that they'd never been born? And he's like, Absolutely not. Right. Right. And so as damaged as we are, if we were to say, Papa God, you know, would it have been better that we'd never been born? It's like, absolutely not. And, and this is a God that then submits to the damage that we create. This is a God who won't leave us in the damage we create. This is a God who will not turn his face away. Which is, you know, when we say, well, God can't look on sin. It's like, who do you think Jesus is? Like he's in the middle of it all the time. And like a substandard version. Yeah. Well, that's a half a verse, right? Right, exactly. You can read the other half. Habakkuk is saying, Mm -hmm. you are so incredibly beautiful, which is true. You, you are so pure. You are so good that you cannot look on sin. The second half. So why do you? <laughs> why do you? Right? And so we, we take a half a verse and make a doctrine out of it. And yes. it's like, no, that's not how this is. This is not a God who ever separates himself from our damage. Exactly. And, uh, and is in it with us. Mm-hmm. We're never alone. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is the big lie that mm-hmm. we're separated from God. Yes. And, um, and so here we have this universe in which Personal agency is absolutely guarded by love because without that, love can't exist. Exactly. And, and so the, you know, God doesn't send a pandemic, but we've corrupted the planet in such a way that viruses get off track. You know, we have viruses. Right. In fact, if we didn't have viruses, we couldn't exist on the planet. They're absolutely essential because they tear apart microorganisms. Right. And without microorganisms, we wouldn't have a water cycle. Right. They float up and that's a lot of what our rain is. It's based on not just dust, but gathering around microorganisms. Right. And, and we would just be one microbial soup without viruses. (laughs) They, they have an incredibly important task to do. Um, but they get out of whack. The whole earth creation groans waiting for us to come to our senses. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, here I, all that to talk about the fact that I have epilepsy mm. caused by this accident that tore the myelin off the, the it was the sheath that in my neural circuits. And now they're sparking and burning. Mm-hmm. My, my neurologist says, which is a great, it's a great illustration. He says, you know, Think of it as your your brain is a forest, 
And it's got major highways that run through the forest. And off in the corner of the woods, there's these two crazy, crazy guys lighting fires. <laughs> and they light a little fire and it burns a little area. So yeah. it goes out. So they light another one and it burns a little more. It goes out. They, buy, they light another one. And he says, when you get to about four centimeters of brain matter, mm-hmm. you start having symptoms. And it's taken me, like I'm 66 years old. Right. That accident was when I was 23, wow. 23, wow. right? So it's wow. taken all this time to get to the place years. last year where I started having symptoms. Wow. And and he says, you know, our job is to keep that fire from reaching the major highways. Mm-hmm. Right. Because then it'll burn the whole thing. And those are grand mal seizures. seizures. And so I'm having to take anti-seizure meds, which have... They've been a challenge to get used to. They, that's, um, that's a heavy-duty drug. It is. And so, like today, I've had, this is my third day in a row where I haven't really been fighting the physical side of the anti-seizure meds. Oh, thank God. Yeah, coupled with the cycle of these seizures, right? Mm-hmm. I don't understand at all. But, but here's a crazy thing. I don't have any fear about any of this at all. Right? I just don't. And I think a lot of that has been because I've spent so much time learning how to simply live inside the grace of the moment, mm. but just staying inside the present. And that's where and, you encounter the one who is love, right? In the present. Well, that's where right? that's where he yeah, lives. This is where the Father, Son, Holy Spirit live. It's called eternal life. Yeah. You know, <laughs> eternal life is knowing him and the one who he sent. And what is knowing? Knowing is union. And where is this union happening? In me. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So th- this is this is a very internal thing. And that's why there's no separation. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And you can't have Christ in you without the Holy Spirit and and Papa God, you right. know, like, you know, it was just not possible. And so <laughs> I've been created in all of creation is created in Christ. That's John one. That's Colossians one, 16 and 17. Right. And a lot of other verses. And Christ lives in me, regardless of whether I pray to sinner's prayer or not. Right. Right. Sinner's prayer isn't in the Bible for those of you who are. Is it? It's not the magic words. <laughs> and magic is the key phrase here because magic is about power, not about relationship. Yeah. Right. So the sinner's prayer is about power. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, I, I paid my price, which is to pray the sinner's prayer. Right. And then God is, has to submit to you in terms of eternal life. Now, you know, you will not meet a human being that is not created in Christ and Christ does not dwell in. Absolutely. It won't happen. Absolutely. Uh, Athanasius in 320 AD, who is the primary creator of the Nicene Creed, which is considered orthodoxy. Right. You know, he wrote and said, the only way for a human, if a human being was ever separated from Christ in him, mm-hmm. they would immediately lapse into non-being. Right. Because the entire existence is created in Christ. Absolutely. And part of the sufferings of Christ is that he dwells in the midst of a world that's broken wow. and suffers right. in us and in the cosmos. So, um... So epilepsy is an interesting thing and, and dealing with the episodes and stuff really had a positive impact on me, <laughs> which is wild. Amazing. It's like, <laughs> like one of the things that my kind of epilepsy, which is frontal temporal lobe focal point epilepsy. Okay. And that means it's in the frontal side of the left, the left which is my data center. Uh-huh. So 
uh, one of the things that I really have a hard time with is people's names. Really. And it's been happening for a couple of years. It's just been getting worse. And, and I'll know where I know I'm from. I'll know how we met. I know all the circumstances around it. I know I love them. Um, the relationship elements are all there. I just don't know their name. And, uh, and I'll tell them, you know what? And I found that if it's important for that person that I know their name, it will be there. Wow. That's, that's, that's the, uh, the Holy Spirit is always good and kind. And in that kindness, if, if the person needs, I was with this gal and she said, you don't remember me, do, do you? And I said, your name is this. You sat in the third row back about Aww. five seats in three years ago. Wow. Word of knowledge, I know. baby. And this one, but I didn't <laughs> know great. that. Come on. Sure. That's where Jesus would say, Paul. Flesh and blood didn't tell you that. Yeah, exactly. It's just his kindness. <laughs> you know? And uh, it's like, oh, thank you. Sweet. I'm grateful. And um, But most of the time it's not necessary. It's not, in fact, some of the times it's necessary that I don't remember and that I, I say, look, here's my situation. I don't remember. And they go, really? That's I'm struggling with this. Right. It's like, okay, right. I'm not alone. Yeah. <laughs> so a, a big gift in the middle of this is that I'm a rationalist. I'm a, that's where I hid most of my life was mm. in my mind, yeah. right? It yeah. was, it was a place that I created the illusion that I could control from. Right? And so I, I cut off my emotional world. Right. Um, I compartmentalized. And, yeah. um, and so when somebody died, I was the person that, that could, that they would turn to, to, to do the funeral, to organize things. So Cause everybody else was falling apart that. because they're actually yeah. more whole than me. Right. And, <laughs> and they're more human than I am. More messy, yeah, more whole. <laughs> yeah. I know, but I wasn't messy. I was in control. You were, yes. You know, which Point is pride. <laughs> sad. Yeah. And, um, but it works in this world to a degree. I mean, it can help you survive, which is why I did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it can't help you thrive. You'll, right. you'll run into the end of that. You bring that kind of control into your marriage and your marriage will suffer and you'll be confronted by that. And, yeah. and you'll just go, well, I, I don't know how to be anything else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and so compartmentalization and over the last, I don't know, 20, 25 years. I've slowly eroded at that compartmentalization, yeah. right? And my kids and my grandkids had a lot of impact on that. It's beautiful. But it's still there. But epilepsy, yeah. it has <laughs> smashed the wall. Wow. <laughs> and the only way I can describe it is that suddenly I was able to feel what I know. And so suddenly in the middle of these episodes, I was able to look at Kim and know that I loved her, but now feel the depth of that. And I just ball and ball and ball. And that hasn't left, right? And it's impacted my relationships and it's impacted the way I write. And it is a stunningly beautiful thing in the midst of a physical struggle, right? A physical challenge. It's not even that much of a struggle. It's, it's a day to day challenge. And the challenge is, is, are you going to trust today? And 
And I, I'm so grateful that Paul the Apostle had this physical infirmity, this mm-hmm. challenge. Mm-hmm. And he writes about it and he says, three times I asked God, because of course God can heal me, right. you know, right. which healing is always temporary because you're mm-hmm. going to die, you know. <laughs> and so it's uh, like, but God can heal me. But three times he said, I asked that God would heal me. And mm-hmm. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. That is, my presence is going to be sufficient for you. In other words, God, who is good, will not give you even a good gift that is not the best of good gifts. Wow. And, and my desire to be well is, is a good. It is a good. Mm-hmm. But if God today, if, as of today, mm-hmm. if the answer is not not today, mm-hmm. then it's because today there is something better. good and and a better good, a good mm-hmm. that is more attuned to the very nature and character of God because he gives good gifts he does. and because he's only good. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so part of it is this conversation because I'm in the middle of the challenge, right? Wow. And, and who knows who's listening where this will ripple out and this will be an encouragement in the midst of the challenges that they face. You know, it's, it's not about the gift of healing or anything else. It is about the giver. Mm. And, and our invitation is to go into fear and out of the present. Right. And create future tripping imaginations of what's going to happen and how hard this is going to be and who's going to be impacted and who's going to be at our funeral and what are they going to say and who's going to cry and who's not going to cry. And I mean, instantly we can be this screenwriter of an imagination and already get mad at the actors who don't play the roles that I want them to play. Right. And here we are in the middle of of this creating imaginations that don't exist. And then we pray and beg God to give us grace for that, which doesn't exist rather than to be present because in the presence is fullness of love and there's no fear in love. Right. So, so that answers your first question, kind of, you know, that's kind of what's going on in my life. (laughs) You know, you know, there is a God who is good all the time. Yeah. It is only good. And as you grow in maturing and being conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus, who is the very presence of God in union with you, who is the truth of who you are, as you grow in that, so does your capacity to express goodness. It's beautiful. It's so yeah. beautiful. It's part of that manifestation, right? Yeah, manifestation is kind of a weird word right now. Yeah. It's 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 been a co-opted by you know ideas that of kind of like believe it into existence. Right? True. And and so right. it's yeah, but it, so maybe but it is it is yeah, <laughs> but it is the incarnation, right? Yes. It is yes. it is the presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the presence of divine love inside mm-hmm. of my humanity. So beautiful. You know, language like this is why Richard Rohr calls me a fundamentalist. <laughs> and I and I say people tell me about that because uh, Richard I love. I love Richard. I've spent yeah. some time with him yeah. and he loves me. Yes, and I'm thinking like, ah, oh, fundamentalist. He's not being he not he doesn't mean an evangelical fundamentalist. Right. He means 
an early church fundamentalist. Early church, I mean, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're latecomers. <laughs> yeah, even modern evangelicals, yeah. my people and right. my history, right. we are very recent on the on the right. palette of history. You know, yeah, that's why orthodoxy but, is such an interesting word to actually discuss and um, see what that actually means, right? And what is even in the even in the Greek Orthodox Church, yeah. there's 350 million members who are required, basically, mm-hmm. to not believe what evangel- modern evangelicals believe. <laughs> I mean, it's nuts. And, oh, you know, man. we think we're the center of the universe. You know, we think that everybody has to think like we do in order to, right. to get in. To get in you know? and not go into yeah. eternal conscious torment. Yes. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that doesn't even count the billion people who are Catholics, you know. So. Oh, my goodness. I know. Goodness. We love to divide. That's kind of... Kind of, you know, what we adopted as our standard is that we like to divide and separate. It's and it's caused huge yeah. amounts of damage in the world. Truly. And I love my people. I get them. Yay. You know, I know why some of them really reacted against my writing and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But I know they love Jesus. And I know what they, what they believe they believe to be real mm-hmm. and really right. believe to be true. And it's not my job to change them. I don't have an agenda like that. No. Goodness. Well, I mean, yeah, we don't need to take on Holy Spirit's job, right? And there's stuff in no. us, obviously. We, we've all got stuff. We do it all the time. It's a level. Yeah, right now we do. But it's a level playing ground. I mean, we're all in, we're all in process, right? Yeah. Being conformed yeah, but it's Christ. like one of my favorite questions to ask Jesus or the Holy Spirit or Papa God is, are you worried about this? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great Because question. like if if you're not worried about this, somebody's gotta be worried about right. this. Like, Let me you do know? that for you. <laughs> I've never heard him say, Yeah, this is sort of freaking us out. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness, that is such a great question. Uh it is. But it's a and it's a very authentic question because <laughs> sometimes is. I'm freaking out. And right. uh and so it's like, and, and, and we're mad at him for not yep. freaking out with us because he apparently doesn't understand the the extreme of the situation. <laughs> yeah, really. So. Like he's separated from us. It right. was like, exactly. Oh my gosh, you just told me something we didn't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now we're freaking out. You know, we didn't expect this. We didn't see this coming. That's right. You know, thanks for telling us. Now we're worried, and I can go. Oh, good. At least I'm in good company. Right. You know? Now we can worry together. That doesn't worry is good. worry is playing God. That's true, isn't it? Well, yeah, that's true. Because God, God's not worried. For us to worry is to play a god because we don't trust the one who's good. Yes. And if we're not loved, we got to get up to our own resources. This mm-hmm. is why we create future tripping imaginations. You know, it's all control. So we think we can control the things. So, Paul, let me ask you because pretty much everything we've talked about in terms of how you kind of cope with the new situations going on and embrace the good parts and then the coping with the other parts revolves around trust, right? Completely. And that is, that is such a, such a, such a journey for you. I mean, having heard your testimony and there's so much there, how have you, how do you lean into trust for someone out there? You know, maybe they're going through something and they are freaking and they're in torment because fear has torment. Um, and so they're like, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to trust. How, what, what would you say just to help them kind of in their process? Because it is a healing process. How do we do it? Poorly. <laughs> <laughs> we do that, that one, one little incremental 
piece at a time. Yeah. You know, and it is like a step forward and right. mostly a step backward. You know, it's it's <laughs> like a step forward in this area, but hell no in this yeah, area. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm back to controlling the universe over here. So <laughs> this is... This is the human journey, and and mm. it's like, of course, love knows that we're not good at this, you know. We suck. But indwells us to participate. To participate. So, mm-hmm. you know, I I talk a lot about my eleven years of dismantling, which was really an eleven year journey of learning how to trust. Right. And in my eleventh year of that process, big things came up where I thought I was trusting God and didn't <laughs> at all, and hadn't been ever. Right. And, um, so, and I'm, I'm still, I still have invitations in a daily way to not trust. I mean, it's just that I, I know better that God is good. So one of the things is trust exists, be, uh, because you know you're loved, right? Yes. Fear exists because you don't think don't you're think loved, you're loved. Mm-hmm. you know, or that God is not good. And, and frankly, our experience tells us that God is not good. Right. Um, our, our culture tells us, social media tells us, you know, and tells us that we're not good either. So, right. so we project on God our, our own self-hatred, our own shame or, but fear exists because you don't know your love. That's first John. The one who fears is not whole in their embrace of love. And that's not an accusation. It's It's an observation. Mm -hmm. It's just an observation. Mm -hmm. And it says perfect love or whole love casts out fear. And then it says the one who fears is not whole in love, which means, Mm -hmm. uh, and then it says there is no fear in love, which is the blanket point blank statement. So that means that to the degree fear exists in your life, to that degree, you don't know that you're loved. You just don't know. And that will drive you in the direction for many of us of saying, why do I not believe that God is good? And those are really important questions because frankly, you can try to conjure it up all you want. But if you, if you don't believe that God is good and there are reasons for that, mm-hmm. you're never going to trust God. Exactly. Why would you? Exactly. You, you don't know? trust people and you don't think are good. Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. And, and we project that on, mm-hmm. on the face of God. Sure. So it, it's a journey of learning how to trust. And I think a lot of us do love religion because you don't have to trust. And, um, you know, you just have to know what you're supposed to do. Check the boxes. And then, yeah. And then you can be mad at those who haven't done as well as you. And then you can <laughs> hide from those that are doing better than you. Right. You know, it's all this comparison thing. <laughs> And, um, and then, you know, you run out of energy trying to do it. So you give up. Right. But it is at the core of this is, is Jesus saying, who do you say that I am? And we go like, you're kind of an SOB. you know. And you know what? God is not afraid of that conversation. No, he loves, he loves those conversations. If you, if you can't like that, let it all out with God. I don't know. You know, I couldn't most of my life. Yeah. Well, you thought you were going to spin out to eternal conscious torment. There, that's, that's true. That happened. You know. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't used to being honest with anybody. Yeah. Lying was a survival skill. Yeah. You and know, you probably got that honestly, Paul. Right. Like yeah. most of us in our while while we look at our ridiculousness, our silliness, our brokenness, our messiness, our ugliness, whatever. I mean, so much of that we need we need to look at because it does need to be healed, but. 
not be condemned in the process because we got it honestly. And, uh, you know, and so there are reasons why that happened and there are reasons why you chose to go with it and whatever. And it's it's a struggle, but, uh, I think it's so important as we see that in ourselves that we're not beating ourselves up, um, because God's not right. And so um, why does it take so long to come to healing? Right. It's because we're so incredibly crafted that, that even even when you come to a semblance of wholeness, there are places that are still, you're totally, that are still totally unknown to you. Right. That you, you've got to trust that the Holy Spirit who knows you well knows how to bring them to the surface. Yeah. And, and who knows how to design that journey for a human being? It's amazing. Nobody does right. except right. God. Right. Who is in you, who created you, mm-hmm. who knows every point of damage that has existed in your life, every piece yeah. that has broken you. And every piece that remains broken yeah. in you. Right. And, um, and that's why the idea of God being out there and me trying to perform my way into God's affection is a disaster. Yeah. Because yeah. it just creates new ways of self-shame and self-hatred. Right. You know, new ways of, of proving the point that you've thought all along to be true. And that is you're worthless. Yeah. You're totally it's depraved. Bad. You have a sin nature. You're a piece of crap. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so in terms of learning how to trust, deal with the things that are in front of you right now, right? I mean, you're not going to have some global awakening in which suddenly you know how to trust. Because right. we can make trust the new, the new way to perform to God. Right. Oh my gosh. So exhausting. Right? And, and now we're, <laughs> oh we're God. self-annihilating because we're just not good at it. Right. Trust, exactly. trust me. You're not good at it. No, we suck. Right? And for good reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And God's not afraid of the process in which you slowly and incrementally begin to trust that he's good and loves you. But that that requires some encounter, you mm-hmm. know, like taking the risk that you can actually meet the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit or divine love in you. Yeah. You can actually have a conversation because where do you think he lives? In your left shoulder somewhere? There's a little, you know, a box that says right. this is his apartment. Yes. You know? It doesn't work like that. God indwells you. That includes your imagination. That includes your mind. That includes your emotions. That includes your body. There, there is no separation between you as a whole person, yeah. the entirety of your personhood, and the indwelling of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and so there are things that have to be challenged, tweaked, awakened, um, helped by the you know, by, by people and people who will tell you they love you and by people who will help you heal. You know, the healing professions, most healers got into a healing profession because of their own damage. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and they, I'm, and I love the healing professions. And, and, and the reason that they're so broad in terms of their, the way that they approach things is because we're so uniquely crafted. That right. there's no single solution. Exactly. You know, and, exactly. and God is in and together with those who are, are in the healing professions, but also God is in our enemies because they push our buttons in ways that our friends can't. Oh my you know? goodness. They'll bring up that stuff that you thought, I'm, I'm good. I'm good after 11 years. And they'll yeah. bring it right up. Yeah. Those people <laughs> who won't wear a mask or Did look it. at those people who wear a mask. I mean, it's just like, Who's your enemy? It's the one who pushes your button. And what does Jesus say about your enemy? Love them. Why? And then In part, because they push your buttons. 
you know, and, and they reveal, they expose things in you that others wouldn't. Right. You know, because of their kindness or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, ah, the journey of trust. And this is why you have other people in your life to talk through these things with, because frankly, there is self-referential incoherence where you cannot, (laughs) you cannot in isolation Mm -hmm. figure out a solution to your own problems. Oh, he will no. not know. We are, he created us to be interdependent and he's, he's absolutely in, commu- in communion, yes. in community. Yes. You know? No question about it. So it's so good. Yeah. I mean, I just think wherever people are at, uh, meet God inside wherever you're at with whatever the issue is. If you're shaking the flying finger at Jesus, well, then meet him right there because he's right there. Yeah. Uh, you know? And you can have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Anybody yeah. can. Children know how to do it the easiest. Yes. You know, there is a safe place inside of you. In your imagination, there is a place that is safe, like on the top of a mountain, on a surfboard, uh, in a special chair, in a rainstorm, in a snowstorm, in a field with a tree. I don't know. Every person has a safe place. Where it's the easiest to access exactly. the sense of longing and the sense of love. And, and you can say, I want to meet you there. And you could, whatever language that doesn't trigger you. And that could be, I can't say Jesus or I can't, sure. I, I can say divine love or I can say good. You know, I, I have friends who are trafficked women. They were trafficked and, and, not just a few of them, but when they meet with divine love, it's a common, a commonality with them that divine love comes to them in that safe place as a black Labrador retriever. That's amazing. It is because they've been so hurt by male imagery and they've been so betrayed by females that God finds a way. To come and be saved. Isn't that, yeah, I mean, God will do, he'll, he'll, he'll do whatever. You know, if we think Paul was like, well, I'll be whatever to save many. I mean, that's Christ. That's just how I'll, I'll meet you. I'll be a black lab. That works for me. You know, he's, yeah. he's amazing. Uh, such a yeah. beautiful, masterful God. You know, yeah. the, the and, moment we it, turn our affection is right there. Yeah. And in that safe place, you can ask God anything. You can bring your list and your imagination of all the things that are concerning you and hand it to Jesus or Papa God or the Holy Spirit or the Black Lab or whatever. Yeah. And see what, see what that love does with that list, you know, and, and ask your questions. If you can't hear love speak to you, ask love why you can't hear. You know, this is about a real relationship. And sometimes the first incremental steps of trust are to take the risk that it's actually real. Right. That that this is a real relationship. Now, if you're a a mentally based, intelligence, rational based person, Mm -hmm. that is a hard step. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And it's just like, how in the world do I bow my mind? Mm-hmm. Well, God, God can also meet you in your thoughts, you know. Well, no question about it. It's not the eradication of the mind, right? right. But the the heart always knows better, yeah. you know. And even as twisted up as it is, the longings of the heart are beyond the apprehension of the mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I know people they can feel so incredibly lost, but down deep, down down deep. Mm-hmm. 
There is a desire to be a truth teller and a desire to be authentic and a desire to be good, a desire to, to not be addicted, um, a desire to love well, you know, and those are the deepest longings. Why would they be the deepest longings and not be a liar and betray people and be an act? No, the deepest longings are good. And that's because the deepest truth of who we are is good. It's this union we have with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who's good, with divine love who is good. And um, so... Beautiful. What and an adventure we are on. You know? No kidding. I mean, and I, I think one thing that encur- that has encouraged me walking through my process is that the beginning part in that deep, the deepest revelation of who we are is the image and likeness of God who is love. And so Absolutely. that, that happened before any crap happened before any, anything else. So you actually have an advantage if, if you spent your whole, if you were one of those people that was born in the worst case scenario, that was your identity before anything else happened. And so the Holy Spirit tugs on that because that's, that's the truth of who you are. Um, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's so amazing. And, and when when you know the truth of who you are, the way of who you are naturally begins to express it. It's beautiful. But if you think you're a piece of crap, then you begin to act like one and you let people treat you like one. Right. But it's not true. The truth is that you are made in the image and likeness of God. You, by nature, are kind. You, are by nature, are pure of heart. You, by nature, are self-controlled. All these things from the inside then express themselves outwardly. It's so beautiful. Yeah, and God is masterful untwisting things. He's masterful. It's amazing. How Redeeming genius. Yes, I love that. Yeah. Well, we are kind of at the top of the time, and I would keep you talking, but that would be Catherine being selfish. Um, thank you so much, Paul, for um, for all your insights to sharing your what you're grappling with, how the good things, the bad, good, bad, the ugly, and a lot of the beautiful. And congratulations. The beautiful is always there. Isn't it amazing? Always there. The good is always there. Yes. <laughs> love that. Well, thank you, thank Paul. Thank you. I love yeah, you much. It's an honor being and, with you, Catherine. Um, yeah, blessings on your, your grandchildren and on everything. You're walking out in the grace of each day. Thank you. Thank you for being Paul. Hey, turns out it's the easiest thing I know how to do. <laughs> being someone else was so hard. Oh. You had, you had to have a good memory. and <laughs> Right? Cover your tracks. <laughs> Kind of remember what audience you're in front of, so that you can morph into something that is uh, can be approved of. And yeah, too too much hard work. It's too exhausting. I think I think exhaustion serves us sometimes, but you get so tired of trying to be something. You know, the next big thing or whatever is too exhausting. Can't do it. And I'm content. Yay! I'm content with what is in my world today. Beautiful. You have beautiful things in your world. Thank you, Catherine. Much love to you. Much love to you. Bye-bye. See you later. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.